You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Welcome, one and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show. It's so good to have you back here, and we are so very happy to have you with us each and every week. Well, what a week, what a week, what a week it has been since we last talked, my dear friend. Things are going well here in Texas, except for the fact that the temperature is slowly creeping higher and higher and higher and higher each and every day. But surprisingly, we have not had that many days in the hundreds yet. I guess it's all waiting for August. And then, no doubt, we will be able to be out on our sunny porches and sunny sidewalks, cooking eggs on the ground and cooking cookies on cookie sheets in our cars and 
boiling water by leaving it by the side of the road. And all the other wonderful, fabulous things that you get to do in Texas in the summertime when it gets oh so hot. But other than that, things are going well here. Been talking to friends, checking in with colleagues, and they all seem to be doing quite well. And I have heard today that the weather in Northern California is simply beautiful. And that is no doubt a joy to all of those of you up there. And wish we had some nice cool breezes here, but things are going pretty well here. We're not, you know, got no tornadoes, uh, haven't been uh, blown away, haven't been washed away in any floods. Uh, the tarantulas are way down this year. So things are going well. Meanwhile, in the outside world, uh, in the hinterlands, uh, ho, ho, boy, the world has done plum gone even crazier than it could go. I keep thinking that they're going to find some sort of some sort of bedrock. You know what I'm saying? That we're going to find some sort of moment where there is no more crazy yet to be had. Uh, but apparently, no. Apparently, there's just a big old barrel full of crazy. Uh, you know, and uh, they just keep ladling it out of it, ladling it out of it. Um, those of you who have been watching the uh, RNC, the Republican National Committee, uh, of your own free will, I I salute you. I salute you. I salute the doctor that prescribed the Xanax for you. I, I salute your your ability to to sit through that. It has been a wild wild ride. We've had at least two states, two states, that all of their delegates got up and walked out on the first day. Left. Boom. They're gone. We have had uh, senators uh, who are delegates uh, attempting to call for a vote by roll call, which is the absolutely most uh, procedurally succinct it's it's a it's a, it's a it's a shutdown move. It's a shutdown move, and had them call for it on numerous occasions uh, and be ignored. We've had strange, almost bizarre, almost insane guest speakers, uh, people from Duck Dynasty and uh, Scott Bayo, and and just just bizarre bizarre people. Uh, Alex Jones, the well-known conspiracy theorist and fear and hatred shill radio host uh, is at the convention with preferred guest clearance. This is a man who, by the way, suggested that the last Republican president of the United States, uh, in fact, masterminded the 9-11 tragedy. And now he's a guest at Donald Trump's uh, Republican National Committee uh, convention. So, whoa, whoa. We had Ted Cruz. Yes, yes, I was coming to it. We had Ted Cruz stand up and deliver a I'm not completely 100% going to kneel at the altar of Ted, of Donald Trump's speech and be booed and hissed and 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 practically had you know rotten fruit and vegetables thrown at him. What a week it has been. What a week it has been, but perhaps the most the most talked about incident so far has been Melania Trump's speech 
that she gave, in which she engaged in open plagiarism from a speech given by Michelle Obama at the Democratic National Convention many years ago. Absolute chaos. Absolute chaos about that. I have to tell you that the LMC radio network, and in particular our news desk, is on the job. Believe it or not, our own Phil Patchy Fogg drew the short straw, and he is at the RNC. He is at the Republican National Committee Convention. He is at the Republican Convention. As we speak, poor, poor Phil's there. Phil Patchy Fogg is there. And he has got an exclusive for us, folks. That's right. You're going to hear it here tonight. You will be the first people in the country to hear an exclusive from the Republican National Committee. This was sent in to us last night from Phil Patchy Fogg at the Republican National Committee, and I will read it to you. In the following days of the – I can't read it like uh, Patchy, but uh, – yeah. I'll just do my best. In the following days of the controversy of Melania Trump's supposed plagiarism of Michelle Obama here at the Republican National Committee, this reporter, that would be Phil Patchy Fogg, has been able to get a hold of the brand new Trump This is a brand-new Trump commercial. Uh, This has been put together in light of the criticism of Melania's uh, plagiarism and also in light of uh, a number of bands, including Queen, uh, raising quite a bit of stink against Trump using their music at the convention, even though he had been directed by them and their lawyers to not do so. And in light of this, we have for you today the exclusive new Trump theme song. Now, the RNC, or I should say the Trump, the Trump platform, the Trump, uh, 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 the Trump platform has released this, and information from Donald Trump uh, says to us that this is their new theme music. This is their new theme music. It was written co-written by Donald and Melania Trump themselves. They wrote the words, and they wrote the music for it, and we are happy to release it to you now. This is an exclusive. No one else has heard this. So ladies and gentlemen, the brand new Trump theme song written by Donald and Melania Trump. Here it is. Get 
is, folks. Uh, <clears throat> wow. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> without further ado, let's go over to the LMC Radio Newsroom, where our own Wink Winkerson is standing by. Way <laughs> Wink. Good evening. This is Wink Wiggerson reporting for the LMC Radio News Desk. Today is uh, July 21st, the 203rd day of 2016. There are 63 days until autumn begins and 163 days left in the year. The 22nd and the 23rd are auspicious days to can fruits and vegetables, mow to slow growth, castrate farm animals, wean, go hunting, potty train, and brew beer. The 22nd through the 23rd will be good times to set strawberry plants. Good days also for transplanting, as well as for planting beets, carrots, radishes, turnips, peanuts, and other root crops. It will also be excellent days for vine crops. The 22nd to the 23rd are also excellent days for evening fishing. Today's highlight in history comes to us from this date in 1861, which then during the Civil War, the first Battle of Bull Run was fought at Manassas, Virginia, resulting in a Confederate victory. Also on this date, in 1925, the so-called Monkey Trial ended in Dayton, Tennessee with John T. Scopes found guilty of violating state law for teaching Darwin's theory of evolution. The conviction was later overturned on a technicality. In 1930, President Herbert Hoover signed an executive order establishing the Veterans Administration, later to become the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. In 1944, American forces landed on Guam during World War II, capturing it from the Japanese some three weeks later. In 1959, the NS Savannah, the first nuclear-powered merchant ship, was christened by First Lady Mimi Eisenhower at Camden, New Jersey. In 1961, Captain Virgil Gus Grissom became the second American to rocket into a suborbital pattern around the Earth, flying aboard the Liberty Bell 7. And finally, in 1980, draft registration began in the United States for 19- and 20-year-old men. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to singer Kay Starr, who is 94. Movie director Norman Jewison is 90. Actor Leigh Lawson is 73. Actor Wendell Burton is 69. Singer Yusuf Islam, formerly known as Cat Stevens, is 68. Cartoonist Gary Trudeau is also 68. Comedian John Lovitz is 59. Actor Lance Guest, 56. Actress Ali Landry, 43. Actor Justin Bartha, 38. And actor Josh Harnett, 38 as well. Our thought for the day comes from Robert Burns. Scottish poet, born 1759, died this date, 1796, who said, quote, suspense is worse than disappointment. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom 
And we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky number. Lucky number. Oh, dreaming of lucky numbers. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition. Or even make me suspicious. Table with 13 dishes. It will make me. That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, open it. Put my trust in good for dust. Cause you know someday it may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that you be in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes, and you need not just trust in goofer dust as advised by the Nicholas brothers because we have the lucky numbers for you here each and every week. This week's lucky numbers come to us as always from professorporterfield.com. Why not stop on by and take a look? And they are 18 21 23 35 40 and 42. Once again, those double digit numbers are 18, 21, 23, 35, 40, and 42. This week's lucky three digit numbers are 212. That's 212. 653. That's 653. And 828, that's 828. And I must tell you that right now, that 212 is hot. The card of the week is the three of hearts. Three's a crowd, a rival or bothersome company. This is a week to be careful of rivals or unwanted company. Guard your relationships and projects closely this week. However, this is a week better suited to peace than war, so try and have some understanding and some compassion. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, oh, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next... From the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, our own Miss Loretta Evans with Cooking with Miss Loretta. Sweet Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she was another man. All the girls around her say she's got it coming, but she gets it while she can. Loretta here. 
I am so happy to be with you again. And once again, I have an easy and relatively quick recipe for your slow cooker that I think you and your family will enjoy. And as always, after I finish the recipe, it will be posted up in the chat room by our tech people. Thank you so much. Tonight, I'm going to tell you how to make slow cooker beef stroganoff. Now, I will admit to you, this is not a traditional beef stroganoff, and this is probably not as good as you would get if you went to a wonderful Hungarian restaurant. But, darling, this one is so easy and quick. It takes a total prep time of 10 minutes and then can cook for either five hours or eight hours needs. For this, you're going to need the following ingredients. One pound of cubed beef stew meat. And I like to use a stew meat that's not too tough. One 10.75 ounce can of condensed golden mushroom soup. One half a cup of chopped onion. I also like to add, also like to cut up a little green onion and put it to the side for later. One tablespoon of Worcestershire sauce, one-fourth a cup of water, and four ounces of cream cheese. Now, to make this, it's just as easy as pie. In your slow cooker, combine your meat, soup, regular onion, Worcestershire sauce, and water. Then you just put your crock pot on the low setting for eight hours, or you can put it on the high setting for about four and a half to five and a half hours. Once it's done, you just stir in your cream cheese right before you're getting ready to serve it, and serve it over hot buttered egg noodles. At this point in time, I also like to add a little chopped up green onion to it as well. It's not only colorful, but it also makes it just a little bit. And that's just as simple as can be. I hope you will take the time to try it, and I hope you and your family enjoy it as much as I and mine do. And before I go, folks, I have a little announcement. This Sunday, the special guest on the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour will be our own dear and beloved Papa Newt. And as you know, normally Papa Newt's the announcer over there, and he can't be a guest and announced at the same time. So once again, they're going to drag my silly old selfie in there to announce on the show. I hope y'all see you all there. And until later, bye-bye. Thank you, Miss Loretta. All right. Hey, that sounded, you know, like a pretty good uh, recipe. I'm, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm cream cheese. I'm not too sure about cream cheese. That's a, you know, not big on my list. You know, I mean, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Cream cheese is totally big on my list, and I, I love cream cheese, but I, I don't know about it in this. I mean, I, maybe I'd use sour cream, but I ain't the cook, am I? She is. And she is here each and every week giving us those great recipes. So I hope that uh, you will give it a try and that, as she says, you'll enjoy it. 
Up next, Professor's Pontification. This week's topic is ego and confidence, or you better work.
of the pontification, first I'm going to lay out a simple truth. And it may annoy some people. It may even offend some people. Hey, you know what? I'm just saying, we got wigs to snatch and hats to burn. So here it is. When you encounter a spiritual worker, I'm not going to limit this to hoodoo. Oh, you do see it in hoodoo, but I'm not going to limit it just to hoodoo. But when you encounter a spiritual worker who says, I guarantee my work, by which they mean they guarantee their work will work. They say it publicly. I guarantee my work. Now, they do not mean I guarantee I do my work. They do not mean I guarantee my work is traditional. Uh, They do not mean I guarantee my work is good. They do not mean I guarantee that I'm a hard worker. They don't mean I guarantee that I'll work hard for you with the best of my ability, with all of my intelligence that I will call in fellow colleagues. If I don't know, I won't abandon you. I won't, you know, flim flam. you. I won't just take your money and disappear behind some shadowy corner. No, 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 no. They mean they guarantee that their work works. 100% of the time, all of the time. When you encounter a spiritual worker who says that, my advice is run. Don't walk. Run. Run backwards if you got to. Get the hell away from that worker. Why? Here's why. Because this work does not work 100% of the time, all the time. Uh Uh-oh, did he just say that? on air? Yes, I did. None of this spiritual work is all-powerful. None of this spiritual work is all-encompassing. This is not a panacea. This is not a every-time, all-the-time situation. If it was, let's break it down. Let's just start breaking it down. Let's talk about fairly traditional, okay, fairly traditional Protestant Christianity and Catholicism. If the power of prayer in Catholicism and Protestant Christianity worked 100% of the time, all the time, exactly how you asked, nobody's grandma would be dead. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's mother would be dead. Nobody's father would be dead. Nobody's grandfather would be dead. Why? Because every time they got sick, every time a loved one got sick, every time a loved one got in an accident, every time a loved one went off to war, every time a loved one went off into a situation that was dangerous, they'd be fine because somebody would have prayed for them. And God would have just said, oh, yeah, no problem. Of course, of course, of course. In fact, the only people that would ever die would be people that nobody prayed for. And even then, You'd be able to hire somebody to pray for you. So we can table that one. If witchcraft, traditional witchcraft, whatever you want to call it, worked 
100% of the time, all the time, there would have been no oppression, conversion, and takeover by Christianity. Why? Because every witch would have gone to the heath and gone to the moor in the appointed hour and at the appointed place and done their work, and that would have been that. So we can table that one. If the African traditional religions, if their spiritual work worked 100% of the time, all the time, exactly the way you wanted it to, well, there would have been no African slavery in the first goddamn place. Now, would there? All of those people coming in, kidnapping people, oppressing people, throwing them in chains, throwing them on boats, would not have been able to do that. The the great jaguar cult would have eaten them all alive, wouldn't it? The leopard, excuse me, the leopard cult. The leopard cult. The jaguar is a, a new world animal. The leopard cult. What about hoodoo? What about root work? What about conjure? Well, if hoodoo worked 100% of the time, all the time, exactly the way you would wanted it to, we would really not have had a problem with slavery, systemic racism, and the situation we have right now with certain police feeling they have the right duty, honor, or privilege to be judge, jury, and executioner on the street side. Now, would we? We wouldn't have that. The fact of the matter is, and this is a grown-up conversation, if you can't take this one, by all means, tune me out. Just stop right now. I understand. This is the sort of conversation that I would normally call not in front of the children. But, oh well, here it is. And if this is going to ruffle your feathers, if this is going to break your mind, if this is going to hurt your heart, if this is going to sour you, go ahead and go right now. Because I am not saying this work never works. I am not saying this work doesn't have merit. I am not saying the power of prayer hasn't done things to aid people in all sorts of situations, both good and bad. I am not saying that. I am saying that clearly It does not work 100% of the time, all of the time, exactly the way you want it to work. Just mull that over in your head for a minute. Now, there are people in a couple of three, four, five camps when hearing that that will take a couple of different attitudes, so let's address them right off the bat. One group of people will start to walk this back. They'll start to walk it back and engage in a lot of very complex, quote-unquote, logic to try and explain it. They'll say, well, it does work 100% of the time, all the time, the way you want it, but the oppressors are so many that you can't kill them all. You can't get to everybody. They get to us. They kill us. The witch trials, the burning times, uh, this, that, and the other thing, okay, except that that don't sell. That don't sell, because again, if it worked 100% of the time all the time, the people that do it would know it. How hard would it be to get everybody together? You know what I'm saying? Listen, man, if I showed you tomorrow, 100%, unquestionable, 
every single person that it was done with could be cured of cancer, no matter what kind of cancer they had, skin cancer, leukemia, T-cell cancer, brain cancer, any kind of cancer, through a system of group humming where we all got together and we hum. And you have to hum certain tones in certain ways for some amount of time, and you got to have a minimum of, you know, like let's say, you know, X number of people to hum, and the person there that has the cancer has to hum along. Who the fuck wouldn't do it? Who the fuck wouldn't do it? Listen, man, I'm not, you know, like Mr. Doctor. I'm not like, you know, Mr. I love doctors are great. They're all fantastic. There are some good doctors and there are some real bad doctors. And there are a lot of goddamn problems with the medical profession in Western culture. And and my ass goes to the doctor. When I need doctoring, I go to see the doctor. And yet, if I had cancer and you could show me that you had cured 500 people, 5,000 people, 10,000 people with this humming technique. And you, you know, it wasn't, it didn't cost $40 million. I just had to fly to, you know, Humsville, Arizona and go and fucking be in a humming group. My ass would beg, borrow, steal, walk, hitchhike, crawl, fly, kayak, balloon to get to Humsville, Arizona for the humming circle that was going to cure me of the fucking cancer. And so would pretty much anybody. And pretty soon, no one would have fucking cancer. Humville, Arizona would be the fifth largest, you know, uh, population center in the United States of America. Okay? And everybody would be humming. And when you went into a bar or the grocery store and somebody walked past you and they were going, <laughs> you'd stop and say, oh, I'm sorry, are you not feeling well? I hope you feel better. You know what I'm saying? We'd all be humming all the time because there would be all these people who did not have cancer. So you can walk back the whatever kind of supposed logic you have on why, yes, the work works 100% of the time, all the time, exactly how you want it, but the great whatever kept it from happening. Or you can also walk it back with the whole prayer stuff working when we didn't obey Jesus Christ the way I interpret Jesus Christ should be obeyed in my church past the plate. Okay? But the fact of the matter still stands that. So that's one group. Another group, when hearing this, will go, well, then it's all nonsense. It never works then. It never works. And they walk away from it. Oh, okay, well, you know, I'm sorry that you don't get to have ice cream exactly the way you wanted it, made with the perfect scoop, in the perfect dish, with the perfect spoon, served in a room that's the perfect temperature, and the ice cream was a perfect temperature, and it was made by this one ice cream. Man. You know, come on. Here's the problem that we have with this, ladies and gentlemen, from everything else you know in life. Do you honestly, when you have a lawyer, when you have the need of the services of a lawyer, do you honestly believe that a lawyer, a competent lawyer, well-trained, got a good degree, good background, that a lawyer can get you off or get what you need from a legal standpoint every time? All the time, 
100%? Do, do you honestly believe that? Do, do you honestly believe that? Right? You can just commit whatever crime there is in the world and go to a lawyer and you'll walk. You can get in whatever bad legal situation with the police or with a will that's needing to be arbitrated or whatever, and you can just go to a lawyer and you'll be fine, right? Every lawyer all the time? Come on. Do you honestly believe that no matter how sick you are, no matter what's wrong with you, you can go to a doctor? Again, a competent doctor, well-trained, got a good degree, has a good practice, has aided many, many people. And that doctor can cure you. That doctor can alleviate the problem every time, 100% of the time, all the time. Do you honestly believe that? No, of course you don't. And you don't because you're not naive, because you're not foolish. You know that there are certain things the doctor cannot make go away. You know that there are certain things that the doctor may can only engage in symptomatic treatment for. You know that sometimes people go in and the doctor can't figure it out and people die. People die before the doctor can sort out what's wrong with the person. In good hospitals, good doctors, you know that lawyers cannot get everybody off. You know that innocent people sometimes go to jail. You know that rulings on wills and business contracts sometimes go against people it shouldn't, even though they had a competent, hard-working, fighting lawyer who advocated for them flawlessly, perfectly. You know that. You know that not every judge judges justly. You know all of that, etc., etc., etc. But you, some of you, do not understand that this is the same thing for your spiritual worker, whoever that spiritual worker is in whatever tradition that spiritual worker is. And when you hear me say something like this, all of a sudden you get on this, then none of it works. It's all a sham because there are sham workers, because there are con men. But there are sham lawyers. (laughs) Trust me, they're being dropped from the bar all the time. There are sham and bad doctors. The AMA is covering them up all the time. But that didn't make you think that medicine didn't work, that the law doesn't work. So that's the first thing I have to say about this. You must understand this work does not work 100% of the time, all the time, every time, exactly how you wanted it. Now, inevitably, people say, why? Well, those answers are going to change depending on who you talk to. But since you're talking to me today – Here's my list, which is not the absolute list. It's not the only list. Other people can contribute other things to it, but here's my list. First of all, my master, God, or whatever divine power you feel exists, it exists in the universe, and sometimes it has different plans than what the magician, the conjure doctor, the witch, whoever wants. Sometimes, just like with the doctor, the patient does not follow the prescription. You tell the diabetic, hey, you're diabetic. You need to lose weight. You need to go on this diet. You need to stop taking in sugar all the time. You need to get more exercise, and you need to take these pills. And they don't do it. And then strangely, their diabetes doesn't get better. Same thing with someone who comes to 
the hoodoo practitioner, to the conjurer, to the root doctor. You say, hey, here's what you need to do, and you need to do this nine mornings. Nine mornings in a row, you're going to get up before the sun comes up so that as the sun is rising, you're going to do this. You're going to be facing east. If you can see the sun rising, all the better, and you're going to do this. And they don't do it. They do it at noon. They skip a day. They do it in the evening, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's another reason. Third reason is often the work in question involves some other person that's not your client. And that person has spiritual protection on them. Prayers of their loved ones, their own work, another root worker that they've hired. Doesn't take. That list could be expanded. You could put a lot of other things. Here's a fourth reason. Sometimes the worker doesn't work correctly. The worker does not work as well as they need to work. So those are probably the top four. I'm sure that come up with others. I'm sure people know of others. And please post them in the chat room so that people later on can see them or people in the chat room right now can see them. But here's the fact. The fact of the matter is this work does not work all the time, every time, 100%, exactly how you wanted it to work. Now that leads to two problems. The first of those is there are many clients who want something highly specific. They don't want love. They want a lover, and they don't want just a lover. They want that lover, no matter what. And then sometimes it goes further. They don't want just that lover. They want that lover to come to them. They don't want to have to do anything. They have pride. Their pride will not allow them engage in the formation of a normal human relationship. They want that person to come to them. They want the person to come to them and say certain things. The list goes on and on and on. They don't want a job. They want this job. And they don't only want this job. They want this job during this shift with a pay bonus and a promotion. Well, the problem is that spiritual work is not McDonald's. It's not Baskin-Robbins. You don't get to just go in and say, hey, I want, I want a, a three scoops. One, I want, I want Neapolitan. I want a chocolate scoop. I want a strawberry scoop. And I want a vanilla scoop. And I want them in this order. Chocolate, next to the chocolate, the vanilla, next to the vanilla, the strawberries. And I want sprinkles. No, I don't want sprinkles. I want jimmies. These aren't sprinkles. These aren't jimmies. They're too short. I want jimmies, not sprinkles. And I want a cherry on the vanilla, but not on anything else. And I want hot chocolate on the strawberry, but not on the chocolate. And I want marshmallow fluff on top of the... Sure, you can do that at Baskin Robbins. You can do that as long as you that that's what they're there. You know, they've got it all there. But eventually they'll say to you, <coughs> Hey man, we don't have Jimmy's, we only got sprinkles. Or hey, we don't have sprinkles, we only have Jimmy's. And you're stuck with it. But people think that you can go to a spiritual practitioner and place an order like that. I want a job. I want this job. I want this job for these hours. I want this job for these hours at this pay. I want to be promoted after this long. I want the corner office. I want the golden parachute. I want the packet and the this and the thing and the bub, but a bub, but a bub, but a bub, but a bub. Well, that's not always the way this work works sometimes. But the more persnickety you're getting, the harder an order you're getting to fill. That's the first problem. The second problem is with workers themselves. And here comes ego and confidence. There is a confusion 
that we have, and I am specifically speaking about hoodoo root work and conjure, but you see this in many other traditions and practices, spiritual practices as well, in which the need for confidence, and there is a need for confidence. No one, no one wants to go to any kind of service provider, which is what you are, by the way, who lacks confidence. No one wants to call in a, a plumber into their house and have the plumber crawl under the sink and the plumber go, well, uh, I don't, uh, the, uh, oh, there's, uh, it's wet. <laughs> there's so many it's pipes. I just don't know. Why the hell did I call you if you don't know? No one wants that from an electrician. No one wants that from a car mechanic. No one wants that from a doctor, a lawyer. No one wants that from anybody. And no one wants it from their spiritual worker either. There is a need for confidence. And there is a need for you to have confidence in your work. Otherwise, why are you selling it? Why are you doing it? Okay? You, you should be confident in your work. You should be confident. Because confidence, real confidence, is based off of reality. Not bravado, not brigado. Real confidence is, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I know what I need to do this. I know how to get what I need to do this. And I know that when I do it, I can do it, and I can do it well. That sort of confidence is integral. It's absolutely needed, and you should have that kind of confidence. Unfortunately, that kind of confidence sometimes bleeds over into blind ego. I can do anything. See, here's the fact of the matter. We do spiritual work. We do magic, for fuck's sake. And some of us, even the most believing of us, even the most accepting of us, even the most devoted of us, do it. The thing happens, and we're impressed. We're impressed. But we're not impressed with the quality of our work. We're impressed that it worked. There was some niggling little Western, scientific, uptight, pseudo-Victorian, stick-up-the-ass voice in the back of our tiny mind that said, this sort of thing doesn't work. Because we live in a society that tells us that all the time. And when we did it, a little part of us sometimes feels like we broke the rule. My God, I got it to work. Now, that's normal particularly for a beginning spiritual worker. That's very normal. There's the old joke about the student who's being taught the technique to make a candle light itself. And every time they get it to light itself, they're so surprised that it lights itself that it stops and goes out. It's normal. It's a part of what confidence helps eliminate. Unfortunately, if you don't free yourself of the attitude, all of a sudden, you think you're ah, I can do anything. I've got the secret. I've got the power. Ah! <laughs>
And power is a motherfucker. Power will drive people crazy. Whether it's privilege, whether it's money, whatever kind of power people get, it drives them nuts. And that's another one. Sometimes, because you're doing good work, you start making a lot more money than you ever thought you could make at a job like this. And you go nuts! Ah! (laughs) I got the power. And confidence becomes ego. You don't walk into a room confidently. You walk into a room like you the king. You somebody. Everybody bow down. Dr. Fireant's here. Bump, bump, bump. Dr. Fireant's here. The champ is in the room. And you're going to go bad. I guarantee it. I guarantee the minute you start acting that way, thinking that way, and feeling that in your heart, the minute you lose your humility, which should be mingled with your confidence to guide you, you're going to go bad. You're going to start charging outrageous prices. You're going to start charging thousands of dollars. You're going to start acting like an ass to your friends, your colleagues, and others. You're going to start putting your clients down. And you're going to start not giving a shit. Clients are going to call you back and say, hey, it didn't work. Hey, it hasn't changed. Hey, I still got the problem. And you're either going to keep taking their money and keep taking their money and keep taking their money and keep taking their money. Okay? And not give a shit. Or you're going to blame them 100% of the time, all the time. And you're not going to change anything about your work. You're not going to look and see, did I do something wrong? Have I missed something? And every professional, and by the way, that's another thing you are. That's another thing you're supposed to be a professional. Needs to have enough humility to examine their own work. You think every doctor just, you know, come on. Well, test, uh, I don't know, fuck them. Yeah, there are a lot of doctors like that, but there are a lot of doctors that aren't like that. And you need to not be like that. You need to have that understanding of self and self-examination to stop and look at your own work and find out, well, why didn't it work this time? Sometimes the answer is just no. It's not going to work. And you need to have the ethics to tell your client that and not just keep taking their money. And not just – because, hey, man, again, if humming would cure cancer, we'd all be humming. These people are heart sick. These people are in trouble. These people need whatever. And as long as you keep saying, yeah, yeah, we'll try again. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And don't think I'm making this up. You don't have to scratch the surface very much to find out. Ask around. Ask your colleagues. Ask your friends. Ask your family. And you'll start finding out about, oh, yeah, there's this lady who's been doing love work on this guy for 10 years, and they're not together. I'm not talking about love work to keep him there. I'm not talking about she's got this man so tied he doesn't know which way is up. And she's perfectly happy. No, 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 no. He lives in another state. They don't talk to each other. And she's still doing love work on him. Ten years later. To be a moment where the worker says enough is enough. You are doing yourself a disservice. Now, it's hard because we live in America. And in America, everybody thinks as long as they got a dollar in the hand, they got a tiger by the tail. Meaning, people will have the attitude, who the hell are you not to sell to me? Well, sometimes you just have to. Sometimes you have to just have to say. Sometimes they won't even take no from an answer. Sometimes you're literally talking to them every time going, honey, baby. It's not a honey, baby, honey, no. The money you keep, you're wasting, you're throwing 
good money after bad. Honey, no, come on, stop, 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 stop. And they'll say, I know, I understand, and I still want you to do that other candle for me. I still want you to do that other thing for me. I still want you to do that for me. And that puts you in a really harsh position. And if you are consumed by ego, you won't know to stop. You won't know to stop. You'll just say, well, yeah, well, eventually, oh, I'm the man. I, I'm the lady. I, I got this by the, yeah, come on. Because you're the one that thinks you've got a tiger by the tail. So you cannot allow yourself to confuse ego and confidence. And you must have confidence. You must. Because on the other side of it, the thing that I've seen kill workers is a lack of confidence. Well, should I really? Well, do I? Well, I just, who am I? Who am I? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Well, who you are is the person that somehow stumbled into having this gift and having this knowledge. You're called to it. So now at least be confident. Work hard. Be ethical. So what do I have to say here at the end? What I have to say to you here at the end is this. Realize, first of all, that this work does not work all the time, every time, 100%, exactly the way you want. And therefore, spur yourself on to be the best worker you can so you can get the best results you can. Have the best education you can so you have the largest arsenal to draw on of knowledge and skill and colleagues and friends and teachers and students to draw on so that you can get the best results you have. Watch yourself. Never give up your humility, but do not let your humility master you. Do not let your confidence master you. Blend those two so that you can walk the narrow way, so that you can be an excellent worker of integrity, you can deal with your clients with integrity. You know what to do with people and how to do with people. And you can render not only good service, but in fact, care. And if you do all that, then I guarantee you, you will indeed have your mojo working.
including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits for those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells. In the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and witchcraft traditions, who am I talking about? I'm talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Oh, yes, my friends. But if you can't get there in person, they're also available online. Yes, at www.luckymojo.com. When you can, in the comfort of your own home, browse through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages and look at thousands of beautiful items, some made by hand there at Lucky Mojo and others brought in from the distant and far-flung corners of the world just for you, where? At www.luckymojo.com or go in person. Yes. To 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. <laughs> Tell them Count Gulash sent you. <laughs> Thank you, Count Gulash, as always. Hard act to follow. Up next, a little segment of the show we like to call. Divination and. That's right, boys and girls. Divination and you. This week, we're going to be talking about candle reading. And that's going to include also the reading of smoke, smudges, shapes, cracks, and of course, fire. One way out. Go bathe yourself in fire. And I was lying in the grass by a river. And as I lay, the grass turned to sand and the river turned to a sea. And suddenly the sea burst into flames and the sand was burning. And I breathed in and there was smoke in my lungs and there was fire in my brain. And I looked around me and there were all these shapes being sucked into the flames and they were writhing and trying to escape. And I knew that I had to get out. And I looked above me and I saw a shape that was smiling down at me and beckoning, saying, Come out home! And I raised myself and I tried to get out of the flames and I was getting higher and higher and higher and higher. And I reached out, I reached out towards the shape. But as I reached out, the shape shattered and my hands were empty and I was falling, I was falling, falling, falling. I was falling into the flames. I knew that I was gonna burn. I was gonna burn. And, oh, it's so hot in here. Let me out. Please. 
and I bring you fire. I think you to burn. Fire. I think you to learn. I'll see you burn. Seventy-eight. 
That is the original Mono 78 of the album Fire by Arthur Brown. And you just heard Fanfare, Fire Poem, and Fire by Arthur Brown. Here on the Now You Know Show, bringing you shit you thought you'd never hear, boys and girls. Tonight, on Divination and You, we're going to be talking about candle reading. Now, when we talk about candle reading, primarily what we're talking about, but not exclusively, is candle wax reading, which is also known as seromancy, or wax reading. Okay? This is a type of divination in which a candle is burnt. It can be burnt on an altar during a worship service. It can be burnt during a spell casting. Or it can be burnt exclusively for a divinatory purpose. We're only burning it to receive a divinatory message. And the shapes makes as it pools, as it runs, as it burns. Or the manner in which the wax is consumed okay, is then interpreted for divinatory purposes. So this is where you have a situation where, let's say you're burning a red candle, you're burning the red candle for love, you might be burning it again on an altar during worship or religious work, you might be burning it just during a spell work for love, or you might have burnt it to ask a specific question about love for an individual or two individuals, etc. And let us say that in this example, as the wax burns, it pours, it drips, and you end up with a shape that looks like a heart. Except that as it cools, that heart breaks. And it is in two or more pieces. Uh-oh. Now that's a bad interpretation. You see, that's a broken heart. But let's say you instead had a figure or a bird etc. You interpret the various shapes that you see caused by the wax, but also you can interpret the rate and manner in which candle burnt. How fast was the wax consumed? I have seen this numerous times myself. I can report this to you directly. I have had two candles. These are two candles purchased at the exact same time from the same box, which means they came from the same lot, the same pressing, the same pouring of wax, of the same color, of the same size, that had been stored in exactly the same method, and had those two candles burnt, and had one of those candles without outside influence. No fan was blowing on them, no vent from an air conditioner was on them, there was no strange temperature variance and had one of those candles burn up in a matter of very few moments, less than 30 minutes. Boom, it's gone. And had the second candle, again, same situation, again, lacking any sort of environmental variance, burn for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. These are two red candles. In this example, they would be red. In the actual instance, they were both white. And they burnt at different rates, without different external, therefore you would make an interpretation of that. This is going faster. This is being consumed. This is going slower. 
This may have something blocking it. So that's an example right there of the caromancy, the reading of wax in this. Now, however, that's not all. There's also catnomancy. Catnomancy is the interpretation of smoke. This is divination by smoke. Now, there are generally only a few types of capnomancy. The reading, okay, of live smoke. This is smoke created from a fire, incense, or other materials that have been placed to burn, paper, whatever, that might have written petitions or prayers on it. All of this is placed onto charcoal or burnt in the case of wood itself, okay? And the divination comes by the scrying in the smoke, the reading of the smoke as marks, as a static image, okay, that may then itself express itself onto the container that is being burnt in, a nearby glass, or the glass that may encase a glass vigil candle, all right? So there you're actually scrying the smoke and looking at marks left by the smoke. The other is a form of static capnomancy, and it is performed by burning something. Candles, matches, oil lamps, wood, incense, paper, okay, etc., etc., and passing an article such as an inverted drinking glass, a cup, a white plate, a piece of paper, which again might have prayers or formula written upon it, through the smoke and allowing the smoke to accumulate onto that article. And then interpreting the mark left by that smoke on that article. All right? Now, Smoke and soot marks that are left on a plate, a cup, a lap, a lamp chimney, a drinking glass, or even the glass of a glass-encased candle, are divined as images, not unlike what you see with the reading of coffee grounds, or egg divination, or the reading of tea leaves, Okay. That then leads us into the actual realm of candle glass reading. This candle reading done with, as I mentioned before, a glass-encased candle. Sometimes it's, you hear them called a vigil candle, a vigil light, a novena candle, a jar candle. They have many different names. One of these is burnt for the client's desired outcome, and then... The worker reads the traces of smoke, soot, and wax left in the glass container after the candle goes out. So, in that, you have capnomancy, where you're reading the smoke and soot. You have caromancy, the reading of the wax remaining. And both are combined here. So, this would be capnocaromancy, or candle glass reading. You can also have in this case marks, cracks that form in the glass that may form because of heat, how the candle burnt, etc. The candle may shatter. The candle may crack. Those cracks could be interpreted as well. Then finally, 
in this matter, you have good old-fashioned pyromancy, also divination by fire, also called fire gazing. This is a method of foretelling the future in which an individual stares directly into the flame or burning coals in order to catch a glimpse of things to come. They scryer in the actual flickering flame. So all of these matters come into the heading of, of candle readings. You see, it's not just one simple matter. All of these things take place, as well as what I mentioned to you earlier, the rate, the rate at which a candle burns. And you will see a lot of that. Now, my advice to you right off the bat is that if you are going to ever engage in interpretation or take as a sign, the rate at which a candle is burnt, that you know your supplier, that you buy fairly decent quality candles, or that you buy your candles in large bulk. Why do I say that? Because if you buy one white candle here, and then another white candle there, and they're from different production lines, they're made by different companies, they were poured at different times, they have different levels of air that might be whipped into them, you're going to get different burning rates. But if you buy a box of white candles, all from the same manufacturer, all from made at the same time, etc., then you should have some relative understanding of the rate at which they will burn so that you can detect a change in that rate. That's one. Two, I would suggest to you that you store and keep your candles carefully. Store your candles on their sides. This is non-glass-encased candles. Store them on a relatively flat. Roll them regularly. Okay? Turn them regularly, particularly if you're storing them in a place that is not 100% temperature controlled. All right? Because otherwise, and even if they are, it's still an amorphous. Wax is still an amorphous subject and will settle, even if it's not above a certain temperature. Learn to care for your candles properly. It actually takes quite a bit of work. Why? Because if you don't, how can you make an appropriate interpretation of your candles? You've got a whole bunch of higgledy-piggledy candles that you're not taking care of properly. They're all being kept at different rates. There are this. This one was got hot. This I bought from my, my Aunt Matilda. This one I got from a die down the street. I bought these from a bunch of hippies that wandered by, and they were selling uh, candles. They're made out of crayon. You know, you just don't know. And because you don't know and because you're not keeping track of it, you're going to end up with a lot of variation. And there's nothing wrong with having that variation if you're only using your candles for certain things and not other things. But if you're trying to get some sort of divinatory use out of it, then you have to establish some sort of baselines. And the best one you can do that is care. Care is your best baseline. Now, what about glass case candles? Here's the problem with glass case candles. glass case candles change based on the uh, political and militaristic aims 
of the United States of America. You might think I just went out of my mind by saying that, but I did not. Glass in case candles change based on the rate of petroleum and how much it costs, and that has to do a lot to do with to do with our politics and our ongoing military ventures. And so sometimes, way back when, a seven-day candle burnt for seven days, and nowadays a glass candle does not burn. Seven-day candle does not burn for seven days. You're lucky if it burns for five. So what can you do? Why? Why does that? Well, it's because they whip a lot of air into it to get. It to look like, oh, it looks like it's a big canvas, but it's actually got a lot of air in it. So I recommend to you that if you're going to use glass encased candles and you, again, want to get good interpretation, good readings from them, that you take your glass encased candles after you have bought them. Let's say you have bought five yellow or five red. We're going to say five red. Five red. I suggest that you learn, and there is an art to this. Miss McHale and Miss Cat could teach you this art to melt those candles back down so they express out the air in them and then add extra wax to them from let's say you've got five you're going to do the fifth one's going to be used to help fill up the other four from another glass encased candle and there is an art to it I encourage you to go out and find out how to do it you can find out you don't need me the internet is your friend uh, and that way, again, you will get a better use. I also suggest to you very strongly that you pick up The Art of Hoodoo Candle Magic by Catherine Ironwood and Mikhail Strabo. This is an invaluable book, and you will find that you will use it, particularly if you want to use candles for your spell work, but also if you want to start learning about candle reading and the different presences that candle reading takes. Our information for the Divination and You section comes to us each and every week, not only from our own knowledge, but from the good people at AIR, at readersandrootworkers.org. Why don't you just stop on by there and take a look? You'll be happy that you did. Up next, we're going to... Well, we're going to talk about uh, not the servant of the woods and not even the mistress of the woods. We're going to be talking about something different. But to do that, first we've got to get back to the woods. Let's 
Unfortunately, no brownies. No brownies go out. That was Charlie Spand. Charlie Spand with Back to the Woods Blues. And, of course, that leaves us with the, what's left of our plate of brownies. So, what the hell? Everybody gets a brownie. There you go. That way we won't have, you know, Miss Loretta bakes these up every week for us. So, every you know, Charlie Spand, Back to the Woods blues. And speaking of going back to the woods, this week we're going to, in the kitchen, be talking about Master of the Woods. Master of the Woods, also known as Sweet Woodruff, Woodruff and Woods Master, is a very fragrant and delicate plant used in commanding and ruling. So, What are a few ways we could use this? Well, you could use Master of the Woods in a mojo for strength, protection, and mastery. Now, that's a good mojo. Strength, protection, and mastery. To do this, you would add Master of the Woods leaves to any mojo bag for strength and mastery over an adverse condition. You can also mix it with gravel root when job hunting or asking for a raise. So there we're using the leaves. You can sprinkle dried Master of the Woods in an opponent's path where they must walk over it. As you do this, you call upon the herb to help you master 
rule and control your enemy. And so that is a manner in which you can use it to master an adversary by sprinkling the dried master of the woods in their path where they're going to have to walk over it. You can also use it for strength, energy, and pain relief. I know some of you out there who are listening who need to pay attention. Master of the Woods and Samson Snake Root, worn in the shoes, will prevent or delay tiredness. The same herbs, which again is Master of the Woods and Samson Snake Root, can be mixed together with holy oil and let to sit seven days and then strained off. The resulting oil makes a good rub to ease pain in your muscles, particularly in the neck and in the shoulders. So, as you can see, there are a lot you can get out of Master and the Root, Master of the Woods. And I will say, because I've noticed we kind of talk about this a lot, and, you know, I think we should talk about this. It is a, it has, at least to me, a delightful scent. It is very, very fragrant. And I think that it is one of those herbs that has that kind of a smell to it, that when you smell it, you just sort of, you just sort of feel better just by even smelling it. You know, I'm not trying to get off into any sort of aromatherapy here, but maybe I am trying to get off a little bit into the uh, doctrine of signatures. Um, and we have talked about that quite a bit on the show, the scent of things, and how the scent of things helps guide you in how you're going to use it. I do, in fact, consider that to be a part of the doctrine of signatures, although technically the doctrine of signatures is a little bit more about the shape of things, how things look, the form they take. But I feel that the color and the scent and even the feel of certain plants also and as well as uh, animal curios, mineral curios, also comes into that concept of the doctrine of signatures, at least for myself. I'm not telling you that's exactly the way it is, but I am telling you that's been my experience. And so since we do talk a little bit about how these things smell, I will tell you that Master of the Woods smells just wonderful. I, I, I like it. I mean, me, you know, I, I might just keep it around. You know, I, I just like the way it smells. So I hope that you will take some time this week and go out and look and study and learn some more about Master of the Woods and even get yourself some. Get yourself some. See what it smells like to you. See how it feels to you. See what it does for you in your mastery work. Our information for the In the Kitchen section comes to us each and every week from not only some of our own knowledge, but also Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African-American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood. And we thank her so much for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. Well, friends, we ran a little over tonight, but that was necessary. We had a lot to talk about. Candle interpretation is a big topic. I hope you're going to look into it more this week. And get yourself that book, seriously, The Art of Hoodoo Candle Magic. Seriously, you do yourself a favor by getting that book. I wouldn't say that if it wasn't true. Well, we still have a few days left of the Republican National Convention. That's going to be a hoot. 
then we're going to get to go and see what the Democratic National Convention is going to be like. I think that they are going to be hard-pressed to run a bigger circus. But you never know. They might have rented some clowns. Anyway, we've all, uh, everybody's cleared out here. Uh, Wink is gone on home. I saw him out the window leaving his station wagon. Man, I actually drive the station wagon. Phil Patchy Fogg is uh, over there uh, in Ohio at the Republican National Convention. Pray for him. He needs it. And uh, Johnny, uh, Johnny's left. Uh, he was going to go do something with his cat. All 26 of them. And Miss Loretta, and uh, Miss Loretta was dressed nice today. You should have seen her. She was in a nice, fancy dress. Had her makeup on. Had a little gold necklace on. And she went out of here hand in hand with our own Count Goulash. Heard something about Red Lobster. I did indeed. Oh, Lordy, that's going to be a story. And uh, I guess that means I'm... Uh, I'm here by myself. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, I'm, there's nothing else. There's no more there's no more music clips. I don't got any more jokes. And this is it. This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And don't back to fool with. I'm on down to Dallas to call the kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City. And Kansas City, St. Louis. And St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way to the door.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.